guys, I'm here with Miara. She, Miara Rose, she is a astrologer and she's like a past life regressionist. I'd call you that. Is that what you would call yourself that? Yeah, I mean, hypnotherapist and, you know, yeah, basically. <laughs> she hypnotized me and like did a past life progression on me. It was really kind of awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so, okay. So Miara is a star seed. She's into all that kind of stuff. And that's how, actually how I met her. Um, she's a friend in real life. I like her a lot. She's amazing. And she's a very talented, um, astrologer in my opinion. And she's just like, Oh, well, let me see, look at your thing, blah, blah, blah. And she's actually said a lot of things to me about astrology that have helped place it into my mind where I, cause you know, I used to kind of, honestly, I kind of used to be a dick about it. I used to be like, whatever, like you can't place people by the day they were born or whatever. And you were, you kind of explained it to me. Well, it's just kind of like a weather like app or something that's that's in your chart by the way the fact that you don't believe all the astrology actually says that in your chart i remember seeing that when when i first met you and I'm looking at your chart i'm like even if i told you this stuff you probably wouldn't believe me yeah. anyway. <laughs> that's, that's see but that yeah. okay that bothers me that okay bothers me okay i don't know how to explain okay it makes me go like what is going on the fact that astrology can kind of give a framework like are we in a little bit of assimilation you know I asked that other astrologer guy that Mr. Val and he was like well yeah I mean that's a valid question but it is it is bizarre that depending upon what point of entry you enter the planet can kind of shape personality traits like what's up with that <laughs> okay well I mean we're all, we all have multiple dimensions to ourselves. Like each one of us, we come in, this is this 3d, like human version. It's just one piece of who we are like multidimensionally. So astrology can like help us put together those pieces of the puzzle of who we are and construct them and remember who we are and remember why we have this human version of ourselves and how we've come to um, embody um, an element of ourselves here just to kind of play certain things out for our soul's ultimate lesson and purpose. Now, our soul is, again, we can't really contain it. We don't really know what our soul is, you know? I mean, only people have studied um, the essence of it and how far and wide it can span. So we're only here as part, a piece of it, and we're trying to embody as much of it as possible. So astrology tends to kind of look at what elements we're bringing in um, this lifetime around and like what we're here working with so that we can you know, a basically assimilates uh, a bit more bringing all those pieces together. For instance, like, I think that when I do these, when I've studied different astrologies, like I've studied, basically I use Western, um, you know, Western tropical. I don't use Vedic sidereal um, because I do believe that Western tropical, for me, it makes sense because I live on this hemisphere. Uh, this is part of the culture I'm in. And I do look at the sun as being a um, more important luminary to our soul's evolution, because I do see the sun as a electric pull to us and our, our uh, kind of our um, forward progression. Where Vedic and sidereal tends to look more like the moon or the lunar pole. And I do believe like on earth, do you have ties to the moon? The lunar uh, force is really strong. It's magnetic. And so uh, within all of us, we are kind of magnetized by the moon. And, um, you know, we just see it from our, the tides and the water and what it does to uh, the land. And, you know, well, we're 70% water. So, you know, what's that doing to us physically? 
And I do believe that part of this, it's orchestrated in a way. So we do need to be mindful of the difference that the sun and the moon uh, plays on us physically. So I look at astrology in so many different dimensions. So that's just one level. And, you know, when we see how the moon is uh, playing out every single day in our life, um, we see how much of a control it has over the masses. The term lunatic, for instance, you know, it's, it refers to someone who's basically stuck to the moon's energy is a bit crazy. So like we kind of have to, I do feel like astrology is a way for us to look at what our challenges could also be and how we can dismantle things in our life that may not be serving us. Um, I have figured out a way to look at where the moon is located in the chart. It's ties to Saturn and how we can go through an initiation process in our life. So if we look at our Saturn placement and its aspect to the moon, it tells us how we can dismantle the lunar pull on us. And we can start to look more towards our solar energy, which is interesting because through the Western horoscopes, we always look at the sun sign horoscope. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's been so ingrained in us that we're you know, here to like look at the solar. But it's interesting because familial and relational astrology and you know, Vedic astrology looks at like the DNA history of a family and relational, like when you, you can tell like if you're going to get along with someone or you're going to have a good relationship with them, if your moons match or not. So if your moons are clashing, it's not about the but sun sign. When you match, like they're in like an air sign or a, or a water sign or like, what do you mean by match? Yeah. Yeah. Like when, if they get along well, <laughs> like if they're not, if they're not squaring one another, um, for instance, like, you know, an Aries moon and a cancer moon person. Like that would be really hard. Like the cancer might like think that Aries moon is a little too aggressive and um, the cancer, you know, but sometimes it would work because the cancer moon may want to nurture the Aries moon who can sometimes be a little bit of a baby. So I mean, it could work, but it's also a little bit, it plays out drama. Um, where as opposed to like someone who has the Gemini moon and a Virgo moon, those are different elements, okay? But both of them are ruled by Mercury. So they both love to communicate, probably talk all day and night, you know? So it's like things like that. Um, we can look at how they interact. Okay. So how did, so start us on how you got, like, how did this, I always think it's super fascinating that you were born in Egypt. Like that's super cool. So like, that's gotta be some awesome, like moon or sun stuff for you. But um, what, what brought you into the whole, this realm, this like stuff? Cause this isn't like, you weren't really brought up with this, right? Um, well, I mean, no, my parents are definitely not into this stuff, but my mom used to think horoscopes were fun as a kid. I used to kind of learn about it from her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know, she was also a doctor scientist. So, you know, she had that discretion about her. So I always knew there was something there if she was into it maybe. So, um, I kind of just learned about it. And then as time went on, I just use it for, you know, relationships and how they started or to even understand what's going on sometimes in my life and maybe why I'm having challenges at certain points. So like I've used it throughout my entire life since I was a teenager, I guess, um, child teenager. And it would just be dabbling, a lot of dabbling here and there. Um, and then the more and more I found it to really correlate uh, to large markers in life. Uh, it really did start to confirm there's some kind of validity to it. Um, and uh, then I started using it to try to predict uh, things to see how, what how the potential outcomes could be. And then I would test it to that. Um, so that's, that's cool. kind, of, kind of how I used it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I was born in Egypt, it, 
it is really interesting because um, on so many levels, like people don't understand what a progressed report is. Uh, so like you have your natal chart, you know, and then you have your progressed report, progressed report, progressed chart. And that's how all the planets and the placements and even the house cusps move over time. So if you like lived in the same place your entire life, it doesn't move that much. Like the chart itself doesn't move too much. And if you move across the country or across the world, it moves a lot. So then it like gives you a whole different uh, expression that's in addition to the natal. So um, it's kind of like, it just, and it's like, it adds to a current era or a current feel or mood of your life at that moment. And I guess it, it, it depends on where you're moving, where you live your current residence um and again like um just it does it, it's calculated based on that so the fact that i moved here all the way from egypt it did really adjust my my chart a lot do you do you see astrology as like as i mean a spiritual thing or like you know some people have different stances on what they think about that um okay well you know it's it's hard to say what spirituality is these days because it's like really subjective, right? You know, how each one of us perceives spirituality. But I do believe if we're going to look at spirituality from a multidimensionality perspective, I do believe, again, it brings um, elements of that into perspective so that we can start to see a multiple, like a, a celestial body, for instance. Like we don't see space every day. We don't see these planets with our eyes every day. We trust NASA gives us you know, accurate depictions of what they are and where they are. But at the end of the day, we feel these things. Like we really do feel them and on, a, on a level, um, we, we feel they exist. I and mean, we feel the lunar pull, we feel where the lunar, we see the moon, but we really feel the moon. Um, the sun as well, I mean, th- the sun is different. I mean, it's always there, it's in our face. It's like, it's undoubtedly there. And uh, if you think about Leo being the, the, the sign of the sun. I mean, Leo is one of the most ostentatious signs there is. So it's like, you'll always know when a Leo is in a room. So it's kind of this similar, you know, mood of it. So when you think of spirituality, you think of believing something or knowing something um, rather than having to have the, you know, exact proof that it exists, I guess. So in that way, yeah, I do believe it can um, really tie in spirituality into um, the experience, but astrology can be done on so many different levels. Like I've seen astrologers that just, just take a very dry scientific 3d approach to their charts. And they'll read the charts from a lot of the lower octaves, which you've seen a lot of earlier astrologers. Like I think last century, like you'll read this really dense, it's like I, cause I started off reading, reading like a lot and I'd read these very dense books that was just like always these negative uh, expressions of every aspect. And it was like, so doomy. It's like so much doom and gloom that it was like, it was, um, I don't know, it can be, it can be turn people off. I mean, uh, but I think throughout maybe the past 50 years, just the past 50 years, it's taken a new turn to where it now it starts to look at things from a higher perspective or a higher octave of expression. So it starts to feel more spiritual and less, um, you know, doom and gloom starts to feel a lot more uplifting. Um, but, you know, people still use it in a very 3D, very scientific uh, explanation of, uh, of aspects, which again, I don't, I like to look at the higher octave of every expression. And I like to look at it from a galactic perspective as well. Um, but it is important to also look at lower octaves sometimes when it, when it fits. Um, well, I do know Saturn. that the elite totally use it because I, yes. 
to be a, um, I used to own an art gallery and then I was a director of this art gallery in the Upper East Side in Manhattan for about six months. And before I got the job, um, one of the artists who was not very good, but she basically was just, I think she kind of used art as a front to have something that she did. And so she was literally on the Rockefeller paycheck. Like, I mean, she was like one of the, anyway, she was older then, like, I don't know how, I don't even know if she's still alive, but um, anyway, before I was even allowed to be hired, like she, she had to look at all of our charts, all of the candidates, like hiring charts to see who she could work with or not. And I mean, and it was, and I, I thought it was weird where he was like, like the, the owner of the gallery was like, yeah, I, um, I actually need all your birth stuff for your astrology chart. Like I can't hire you unless, you know, this lady like looks at your stuff and then you would be like, okay. And then there was only certain days you could call her and stuff. And I was, I, I thought this is bizarre. At that time I was like in my twenties, I was like, oh, whatever, this lady's whack. But yeah, I mean, uh, like I know Rockefellers use astrology like hardcore, yeah i mean it's true i i do believe that they use it and um a lot of the astrology has also been um kind of it reflects a lot of the more the lower negative uh expressions sometimes too because of that um and so that's why astrology has gotten a bad rap but yeah i think the elites have used i mean ancient christians used it um i i do believe that let's see i i have I mean, I have a quote from, from the Bible, even like, um, like it was used in very, very ancient times. Like, I think it was Luke 21, 25, where there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars that Jesus quoted to his disciples. And, um, you know, the Catholic church really is what demonized astrology because they wanted to cut off that direct link that people had, uh, with the, with the celestial bodies because it's actually very empowering to know things beyond the physical or i mean it is physical but beyond what's in front of us in this 3d matrix right or it's presented to our face so it's it, it gives you an advantage so catholic the catholic church wanted to nix that and wanted to take that place of being the one that knew everything and the all all-knowing well, uh, entity so yeah i think it kind of goes into the whole thing of how we are we're so disconnected from the celestial stuff, like as a, as a society, like everywhere around, you know, I mean, if you look at any ancient ruin, like they have markers for solstices, you know, like where, oh, then this, this, this calendar happens to line up with the summer solstice and the, and the winter solstice. And, you know, oh, and now we don't even, I, I know tons of people that don't even know when the solstice is, you know, um, we have, we, we're so disconnected from, any any astral bodies and i and that that's not how it was like they used to navigate in like that's how they got around in the oceans with that stuff they used to live by the stars and yeah. i think that that's kind of when you really take back and step take a look at that it's kind of weird that we have gotten this such a disconnection from it actually i mean even hippocrates you know stated that it's something like a physician should not even call himself a physician if he doesn't know astrology like it was used in ancient medicine. Um, it was used again to understand the complexity of our multidimensional being um, because you know it's only in the past thousand years, not even maybe past couple hundred, 300, 400 years that we've been disconnected from uh, more than our body. We you know, are told we are just this body and we are just this physical form. 
Now, um, I think a lot of the spiritual movement 50 years ago kind of took it the other way where they pulled us out of the body and were like, we're way up there, you know, let's do all the yoga and, you know, all the meditation, get out of our body. And it's like, that's, that's a psyop in itself. So then we kind of have to learn how to embody all of it and know that we're connected, celestially connected intergalactically um, into our bodies. And we're here to kind of ground it into our bodies, which is one of the reasons why I love actually human design, which is um, another aspect um, of, it's not, I mean, it's not exactly astrology. It was, um, let's see, was I, let me see if I can pull up something here. Do I have a human design chart that I can pull up? So the human design, it was, sorry, it was invented um, by, um, do you want me to talk about that or is that not? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. I know I know a lot of astrologers, like the Val Lahiri who was on here, he he also was talking to me about, um, he's like, he's like, he doesn't, he, he wanted to focus more on a different thing for our podcast, but he was saying like, he really loves, he thinks like human design is kind of like um, really progressive. And yeah, I, I, because it, okay. So, okay. But let like, me just okay, of- let me ask you this question about stuff like that. Okay. So you have Western, you have Vedic, you have, I remember even um, for example, the star seed stuff, there's, that's all kind of almost like I don't know if you want to say channeled or come through psychically through this one woman, Lavendar, and then you're kind of going like, okay, this, the human design thing, is that from one person whose interpretation of this? Like I've noticed different astrologers have their own takes on astrology. So how does that like work out? Yeah. I mean, they're really channels uh, to these other, this information. You have to be a physical channel you have to be in your body and be here and you have your channel essentially and you bring in this other information i mean every famous inventor uh has been a channel to things that already have been here um you know like you know for instance uh you know uh tesla you know he was a channel to the free energy that was already on the planet i mean he didn't create it right so it's kind of like that you become a channel for something that's already there and then you are really given the responsibility of putting it together um, and bringing it to life, uh, to, to humanity. Um, so yeah, human design was invented in 1989 by uh, Alan Krakauer, who called himself Ra Uhuru. Um, and it's interesting, like just to even look at like a, a chart of human design, it's, it really does look at the body. It's just a random chart I kind of pulled together, but you know, it kind of puts people into aura types um, it takes into energy centers. Uh, it it uh, works with the I Ching, numerology, of course, astrology. Um, the, the astrology three months before you're born versus the astrology when you were born. Right, like so conception um, versus entry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then everyone has a theme that they come in with. And then our energy centers in our body, like where do we feel certain emotions in our body? Um, and how does it pertain uh, to our responses in life and our direction in life? And then one of his students um, took this and ran with it. Um, and his name was um, Richard Rudd. And he took all these little uh, gates and he explored the different gates and what they did. And he called that the, the gene keys. And um, the, the gene keys, that, that kind of took all of that and brought it to a new level. Okay, so the gene keys, like, took each one of those, it's the same person, like, you know, chart, and it took each one of those, and they, it went into these, you know, to each gateway a little bit uh, deeper, so that you can start to see even what the, the journey of each gate 
becomes uh, for us. And this is like a personal journey and exploration um, into uh, our evolution of the soul here as the human. Uh, so it's really fascinating and it kind of splits everything up into our, our genius, the way we love and the way we bring in prosperity. So um, that was you know, invented, I think in the early aughts. So it's not even too long ago. And it's really right now, it's really popular. So that was all taken from different elements that were put together and um, you know, shared in a way that could empower people. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really what it is. It's like a, a personal self-discovery uh, empowerment um, to help us remember who we are, you know, because it's when you when you read these things, you're not really necessarily reading anything you don't already know, but it's kind of um, bringing it together in a way that materializes a knowing on a different level. And then it leads you to your next really nugget of wisdom, um, which is really what kind of we're all here to do is uh, master ourselves. And so on that trajectory of self-mastery, on that path of self-mastery, we begin to really learn about the universe through ourselves. Um, so then we really open up to the wisdom and the keys of the universe through it. So that's what I think all of those, it doesn't really matter because they're all archetypes as well too. You know, they all play out as stories and archetypal figures, like an energy of a planet and the energy of a sign. So even though, again, like Vedic doesn't actually look at the outer planets, they don't look at Uranus, Pluto, Neptune, um, where again, Western tropical does. Um, and Western tropical looks at all the, the asteroid placements, which are really fun uh, to look at too. Um, so again, it's, it really depends on your cosmology and how your archetypes play out in your life as far as what you'll resonate with and what you'll find to be more useful in helping you kind of deconstruct reality and then reconstruct it in your own way uh, to master your path and towards self-discovery. So do you think that- um... Um, But what did you like about Vedic astrology? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Tell me what you like about Vedic astrology. Cause I, I, I do like that Joni Petrie lady. Um, and, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Joni Petrie is great. She's, she's really good. So what I really like about Vedic astrology is when they really like to look at Rahu and Ketu. And when they look at, you know, Rahu is our North node and the North node axis and Ketu is the South node. These are essentially um, points that have been calculated around the ecliptic of um, the, the moon. Okay. And the moon in relation to the earth. So those are really essential to our uh, astrological discoveries, makeup, even what's happening in the current horoscopes. We always like to look at the, the nodes because like I had said, mentioned earlier, um, how important the moon is uh, and how much power the moon is as, as far as how much, how much it has an influence over us. Now these nodal placements are the next level of this influence over our path over our purpose. They, they really do, they, they show us the soul's purpose in life um, and what the drive is. And like, for instance, when we come in with, we have to look at where our North node is, okay? Because that shows us what we're here to learn in this lifetime. Where the South node, K2 is what they call it, is where we've been in so many past lifetimes. It's um, where we've, all, we've almost, you know, essentially become really too good at the South node. We've already so asked. in order, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like we've done it so much. So we kind of have to come in and, and really learn the opposite expression of the North Node. And that will help us see what we can, um, how we can really balance our, and structure our lives to become more whole. So become more whole, you know, as a soul, which again is one of, I think one of our 
our, our goals here is to be whole as a soul and then see it all as working together. Um, but yeah, so that's why I really do respect that. Um, now, one Would thing you, they do- like, they, From reading that chart, it's almost like you can think of it as if like where the, the sunset and sunrise was when you were born. Is, is that kind of almost the way, like that's almost like what I'm visualizing when I look at that. Okay, well, that's gonna be a whole different element even though this chart kind of does show like a setting, but the sunset and rise is inc incredibly crucial as well because that dictates our ascendant sign. Okay. So the ascendant sign is the chart ruler. So we do have to look at where the sun was on the horizon um, in, in terms of you know the time of day, the exact time of day, because that, that is really, really important to our overall makeup. Um, let's see. So what else? Yeah. Man, so it's really unfortunate if you don't know the time of day you were born or like your birthday. It's really hard. I mean, there, there are some astrologers that can work with you to look at major events in your life. And then they go back in history and look at the major events. Usually they calculate um, an indication of where your rising could be. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, like an example with the progressive and natal. So when I had my daughter, like the exact time I had my daughter, my uh, progressed rising met up with my natal midheaven. And so midheaven is the 10th house marker. It's, it shows where our career or our public persona is. Um, and my midheaven is an Aquarius in a certain degree. And then my, ri my progressed rising in a certain degree, and they met up at the exact same degree. And it was an Aquarius. And you know, strangely enough, she's an Aquarius. I mean, it's like sometimes you can't make this stuff up. It like works and it lines up way too well. So yeah, so astrologers will look at things like that and they'll see, you know, where your, uh, again, where it's, it's a lot of calculation, a lot of mathematics involved, but some astrologers can't do it. Um, it's a bit pricey if you don't exactly know what time you're born, but you can still pull a chart. It's just not going to be as accurate um, without the exact time. Oh, we want to talk about lavender. So, uh, or that, those kind of other astrology, right? Yeah, that you brought yeah, up. Yeah, like for, it, for so, example, like lavender has one called the star, what is it called? Starseed astrology. Okay. Would you call it? Yeah. That? I'm going to go over lavender just a little bit in her background, just because um, she's really one of the most, like the dearest teachers I've had, like one of the most recent um, that I've had the opportunity to work with her and Ariel uh, that they run Starseed Hotline. And um, they're, they've actually been really instrumental in my awakening process since about 2015 and 16, when I woke up one morning with the word starseed in my head. And I didn't know where it came from. It just popped into my head. And I started researching, Googling it. And there wasn't a lot of information about starseeds at that time. Now it's like everywhere. That's <laughs> what happened. Mine was in 2012. And I kept on hearing the word starseed wow. in my head. And I, was, and I was Googling it. And I, and I found stuff about stars and stuff about seeds, but not like, I, and I was like, I don't know what that means. Like even said out loud, I was like, what is that? Stop saying that to me. Like, I didn't know what it was. And then like, it started popping more in as like, I think maybe 2017 is where I started seeing it everywhere. But I was like, oh yeah. Like I heard about that like five years ago. So. You have the galactic, I do remember one part of your chart, you have a galactic degree of Sagittarius on your IC line. I do believe, or close to it, your Neptune is there, I do believe, which is really incredibly, um, 
but um, anyway, yeah, I, I have to look at it again to just kind of validate that. But yeah, you, it means you are connected to a lot of different beings, like a lot of different intergalactic beings that can speak to you. And you can yeah. almost channel them if you want. <laughs> but anyway, you can process that if you want. It has whatever you need to process that. But anyway, so um, so Lavender was definitely, a, she was more of an ET experiencer in her entire life. Like she was born knowing. Like she she claimed she has a double pineal gland. And when she was born, she she remembers herself as a baby in the hospital with a prey mantis on the window still looking at her. Um, and she has a lot of recollections throughout her life that she's been uh, really tracking throughout her lifetime of really high strangest high strangest events. And uh, she's about 78 now. So it's yeah. she's had quite a life of these different uh, high strangeness experiences that um, she she did go into um, in her vault of knowledge she goes into on her podcast. So if you, there's like over 450 episodes on that podcast that they've there's done. There's some good stuff in there though. I like it. There are some really some great gems, especially earlier on uh, when she gets into, you know, galactic shamanism and things like that. If you look into the earlier, earlier episodes, they're really amazing. Um, but they do interview a lot of other star seeds and, and other healers and light workers on that uh, podcast, which are really great. But anyway, so um, what she did is she came across the uh, markings of a star seed, which essentially is in line with galactic degree. Okay, so when you think about the galactic center, uh, we all know as astrologers, galactic center is 26 degrees of Sagittarius. So that's the center of our galaxy. So um, that really does put us in line with the infinite potential um, that that is within that. So we then take that galactic degree and apply it to every sign because every sign has a galactic center of itself. And so we look at the highest octave of that sign with, through the galactic center. Um, so she will look at that. And then there are other markings that a star scene come with that she's been given through her, um, her, I guess her channelings of Athena and the 96. Um, so this is, I believe it's, it's, it's a, a different kind of a Pleiadian mission that she's, that she's been given information from. So it's a specific type of Pleiadian mission. Of course, there are many, there are a lot of Pleiadians on this planet. It's actually the Pleiadian, um, seeding is probably one of the most prevalent on the planet. And there's tons of different Pleiadian projects. So her specific piece is Athena and the 96. So that's why she has very specific information, um, that comes through, through her. Uh, because that's kind of she's on that kind of experiment um, that that uh, pro that um, she's on that um, project. I want to say project. Yeah, thank you. It's more than an experiment, although it always is. I mean, but she's worked with a lot of Shirley MacLaine, and even when Shirley MacLaine came out with her book that awoke a lot of people, that woke up, sorry, that woke up a lot of people. Yeah. You know, Shirley MacLaine's book. Um, yeah, what was it called? Um, yeah, I, know, oh, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know. And uh, yeah, she, Lavender worked with her then and, uh, you know, activated her, I believe, quite a bit. So uh, Lavender is, you're really, I think, responsible for activating quite a bit of, quite a bit of star seeds that have, other, that have activated other people. So I, she came, I think she coined the term star seed in the early 90s or the mid 90s. I, I don't quote me on that, but I, yeah. But yeah. And I mean, like, she, I didn't. I didn't hear that term from her. Like, I don't, I mean, I just heard it in my head one day. So that's kind of interesting that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's what she claims also that term is uh, what we've all decided was going to be what uh, we connect on. 
but for instance, you know, because we both understand what starseed is, we were able to connect easier. And we just kind of have this knowing as soon as that term comes in, we just have this knowing. Um, unfortunately, I do believe that term is kind of now being- It's really, being kind of hijacked and yeah. And so yeah. do you, like, do you think everybody is a starseed or what, like- like how many people okay. do you think are? Definitely not, not everyone is, no. We come in here because we're needed on the planet at this time because we hold a certain coding in our DNA structure. It actually lives in our blood. So our blood is really powerful and it's um, something we need to be careful and always know how to detox our blood. We're very crystalline in nature as opposed to a lot of the old carbon structure of, of human. That's why we come in with a lot of knowing and a lot of us know things that um, others don't. And um, we just know it. We just know things. It's in our cellular DNA, it's in our structure. I do believe when someone believe, thinks they're a starseed or starts to question if they're a starseed, they're almost all, always a starseed. Now, I'll give a, someone a reading, like a starseed reading, they'll, they'll want a confirmation and I'll give them a reading. Usually what I end up doing is just giving them more of a mission direction because it's like, it's more than even just a confirmation. Like, yes, you're starseed. You have the word starseed in your head. You feel like you're starseed. You're definitely a starseed. And that's one of the things starseeds need to learn is how to listen to themselves and trust themselves. Because so, you know, in, on this, you know, in this society, we've been trained to know first and believe later, or I mean, I guess have the proof first proof. and then believe it yeah. after the proof where that's the opposite of, you know, what, how the, how, how the, I guess the, the soul works <laughs> anyway so um yeah like for me, I didn't I didn't actually need confirmation from anybody that I was a starseed because like I I came in with a couple of past life memories that I've always kind of had like I I know that this is not it like I I I I, re I remember like I have memory before I was born so I um yeah so like it, it wasn't even like it wasn't like something I needed confirmation that it was, but it was, it, it, it was definitely, I wanted to connect with other people who were like me because it, it's very isolating and weird to be like this and then have everybody think, like, tell you really horrible, awful things. If you tell them that, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, what, <laughs> like I've had people tell me I have cognitive dissonance or that I'm a freak or, um that you're just looking to be self-important or right uh, like right yeah a lot of really, you, really negative right things. who do you think you are you're so special like, yeah like what is that mean? Yeah. like whatever you're not anything different yeah than and it's like and I'm not trying that's to, an it's a huge psyop that's all of that stuff no I'm just saying it's like it's it's uh, but for me I sort of started saying like I actually don't need anybody else's validation. So if people want to hate on me, or if this isn't like your thing, you probably aren't even listening to the podcast at this point. You've already probably <laughs> like gotten off at this. You're like, ah, oh, next. You know? um, and, and that's cool because there are people who are this and who do need um, to know that they are okay. And that it's, is, this is good. Like this is, this is, this is like, um, you know, it's something that you're not alone in. That's why that's kind of like a, a cool to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to know that we're not alone here. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I was always brought to really understand the astrology and the cosmos because I knew I didn't belong here. I'm like, what am I even doing here? You know, and I mean, a little bit of it has to do with a little, yeah, there's some trauma involved, you know, a lot of us do endure. Uh, and that's part of the starseed plan, actually. If you don't have some trauma that you're trying to work through, um, I don't, you know, you're probably not likely a starseed. Like we're all here again, kind of uh, work through cellular uh, structural trauma 
that can uh, we design to play out in this time earlier on in this lifetime or later on in this lifetime, depending. And it will then wake us up to our mission a bit more. It is a path that we've all, our higher self has constructed for us. Now, again, when someone uh, gets a starseed reading and they're like, oh, this is so awesome, so validating. I want, I want to get a reading from my boyfriend or my friend or my mom to see if they're also starseeds. And so they'll buy a reading for them. And like half the time, yeah, they will be starseeds, but half the time I'll like have to be looking for something that may not be there because like really a, a starseed is driven by their quickening and their activation to get these readings, to do the digging. To, it's part of the plan and the process. So like sometimes some people are called to help one another push them along. But just recently, like for instance, I gave one someone a birthday reading that their friend ordered for them. And yes, they were a starseed, but they were just beginning to like learn about it. And their chart showed how they were very much a native, like a, a native uh, indigenous uh, soul in many lifetimes. So like to them, like they're not all the way always up there, like in the cosmos, like maybe you and I are, they're like really like really into like they really want to take care of the land they're really into the relationships of the human drama so they're like really kind of more like earthbound um but they're remembering that they're also star-seeded so like it's like you have to kind of be careful sometimes again it's part of the process that someone goes through when they're like connecting with one or the other but when someone's really earthbound and they're starting to wake up to their star seededness um that's a whole different element and sometimes people will come in with a natal chart that has no star seed markings on it at all and then i'll look at their progress chart and it'll be full of them when the time at the time they got the reading because okay. there was something about their soul um evolution that wanted to come in incognito in disguise because yeah the whatever we want to call that's running this world, whoever's behind the scenes knows this stuff. And our birth certificates are public property. So like we we can come in in a certain way and then we'll activate later on in life. Yeah, I mean, we some people have certain missions where they want to keep hidden for a certain reason. We don't know why. Well, why I mean, someone works for the CIA. I don't know. So they want to keep hidden. Or for instance, like they just wouldn't, they're they, like they wouldn't learn, they wouldn't get like the grounding, the learning they really needed. Like, for instance, they they got really deep into an education process or really deep into a religious process. So later on, they can wake up out of it and then help other one, everyone else around them wake up, kind of thing. So yeah. they wouldn't have gotten that grounding if they, you know we're born awake because if you're like this is bs like well, i don't know i'm not going to some school you know so it's like part of the the i guess the plan is the soul had a plan to make sure that it goes through a process to get to a certain point and then it becomes more awake so you know again everyone's on their own trajectory and their own process so individual it's so fascinating to see um but when i get readings sometimes like i'll get like a group of people who are really connected to like a venusian it kind of a quality or Venusian uh, property. And they, they won't know each other. They won't, they'll have like these certain like similar missions and they all order charts at the same time. And it was like, see, that's, that's so why weird. I think that it's, um, you know, like another time it's like, it, it, it happens. It's yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause like, I, I remember Lavendar kind of saying that like, um, she would notice certain quests, like where uh, all these star seeds would meet up. She would no notice they would have a lot of certain aspects like the people that ended up showing up that were similar. Um, oh yeah. 
but so I, I think I remember thinking to myself like, oh, okay, so, so what if I am like, what do I do with that? Like, what do I do with that? You know, and I think part of um, getting in a community or knowing other people who are like, um, or who identify as that, or have actually like had enough to like feel like called to like have these kinds of things is, is very beneficial. Cause it's, it is. Yeah. It makes us feel like we're not alone and it makes us feel real. Like we're not imagining it. It's not just in our heads or however society wants to ensure that we stay asleep. And, you know, we understand that if we begin to validate one another's um, and acknowledge one another's realities, which is again, why I kind of got into astrology as well. Like I wanted to validate my crazy reality. Why was I experiencing these things in my life? And, you know, what, you know, why and where, how, how, how do I um, assimilate what is real and what is not real? Um, and so again, I started learning more about astrology to understand that, um, really try to, to, to put that together um, as part of the puzzle. And, you know, there are other starseed uh, astrologers, starseed marketing astrologers, like um, there's one named Aspen Rain, and uh, she put together, um, she put together a book, like an online book um, with different starseed markings. Um, there's also Julia Balaz. Julia Balaz is um, a hypnotherapist as well, as well as a, an astrologer. And um, last 12 years, uh, she would do a session with someone. They would remember uh, some of their lifetimes. And then she would look at their, their charts and she would see these markings that you know, really uh, showed a little bit more of their overall galactic history. And it gets into these really esoteric star systems um, which can end up being convoluted at times. Like I learned these processes and I've actually looked at many charts through them and through those lenses, but I don't know if it really, what it does is it confirms like our, um, you know, our, our knowingness. Again, it does confirm our knowingness. Like uh, I feel like, you know, I have a connection to Orion. And then, uh, you know, she goes into, you know, perhaps you were someone in the Orion Wars and you know, now you're back for reconnaissance missions or whatnot. And so um, there are things like that that come in play with that. So it is interesting to look at uh, all of those things um, because they all do have uh, a lot of um, relevance in our galactic nature uh, to see our galactic history. But you do have to understand a little bit of a, a galactic history to even start to get into that kind of astrology. You do have to have a galactic knowledge and knowing um, to even... Start yeah, to, and how do you like with with galactic history like how i mean i i mean one thing i i i do with everything is like i've really had to work on my own discernment and my own like because i do feel like there's you know there's nuggets of truth uh, laced in a lot of a lot of things and you just have to and that's why like i'm not a big hate like some people are like oh like i hate Stephen Greer or I hate or whoever it is they 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 dislike like if you get on any kind of like UFO UFO researchers or even even whatever like ancient history all these all these different kinds of things I mean people get really um territorial about stuff and even in the spiritual community about certain uh, teachers or not or whatever and I've I've had to get to a point where I'm like okay even if I don't agree with even if I don't agree with half of what this person is saying, sometimes I don't mind like listening to what they're saying, because the reason that they're sticking with something is that, or the reason that they're even 
you know, have any kind of appeal at all is that there might be a couple nuggets of truth or not in that. And I like to, within my own self, see if I can, like, if my, my truth meter goes off and like, I can figure out what, what parts I can put into like the galactic history for myself to rebuild the, like, it's almost like I'm rebuilding, uh, the Akashic records within my, um, this, this, um, reality to try to figure out like what like how how this came to be yeah that's I mean that's that's again it's part of our um individual path to do that and even when even if we look at like hard science and mathematics they've changed over time they have not been the same throughout history and so like you know for for any knowledge to really um evolve we have to keep pushing it and pushing it and the, everything will come in. Like, I always feel like information to me is very Gemini. It comes in with, like, there's a lot of information. You get a lot of information. Some of it's true. Some of it's not. And we got to use our discretion. And that's where like Mercury, so Mercury, you know, the planet of information and Mercury, Mercury uh, rules both Gemini and Virgo. So Gemini brings you all the information, some right, some wrong. Virgo comes in and has to discern, use the discretion. Well, what belongs to me, what is pertinent to my reality, what's pertinent, what is, what feels real, what feels false, um, those kinds of things. And what may be false now may be real later. What may be real now yeah. may be false later. So all of this is is really relative to our experience in, in our in on our path to enlightenment, you know? Well, so, and, no, and and I always think of things like it's like okay, before Benjamin Franklin, where we, we didn't actually really know, if you like look in the history of electricity and we, I don't even feel like we've really completely tapped into what, like we don't even, a large part of Western medicine and, and everything doesn't even recognize that we are electric beings. Like, like not even like a joke, like that's a spiritual thing. Like, oh, you know, like love and light. I'm like not talking about that. I'm actually talking about how like when your cell divides, it has like 60 hertz like have to or, or there's a there's a voltage that is like created like the, the very first time that you like you know the sperm went into the egg and you and it decided to be viable like there was an electric spark that happened and that electricity is in you and divides your cells for your whole life your heart is like some sort of electric machine and we look into that like zero you know, except maybe an EKG machine or something like, um, we, we give it no validity, but that, I feel like that's like, basically like we have a like electricity in front of our faces and we don't know, we aren't even seeing it. We don't even know what to do with it. Like when right. it comes to the human body. So, I mean, I think there's entire level, there's entire realms of science to, yeah. to read, read, rediscover or to discover. Yeah, I mean, these, uh, again, what I said, like in the beginning was we're electromagnetic beings. So we operate with the, both these frequencies and frequencies is the key word. Like we are all on, a, you know, we all like take in certain frequencies around us and to us. And uh, the magnetics coming from, you know, the planet from gravity and the electricity that's also coming from the waves around us or the, the grid that we're within. Um, so like all of those come into play and we we, we don't understand them. So we don't, we just think that, oh, okay, cool. Like, oh, I'll turn on this computer or, you know, I have Wi-Fi, but, you know, 
but no, you know, it, how, how does it exist that, 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 you know, your son in, in, in Virgo it really affects you in life? It's like, come on. It's right. like, no, I mean, that's, <laughs> and so it's like, if we look at all of it relative, we, again, we start to see what is pertinent to a reality um, again, and what can be helpful to really start to deconstruct and understand. Um, and it's, you know, when starts to astrology, also what I work with with Lavendar is I was ta taught a few, um, you know, specific uh, markers that are um, certain numbers that I can't disclose because I was told not to, but right. um, there are certain, so it, you get into the numbers and each, each planetary placement is at a degree point, okay? So when you look at the degree point, that's incredibly important um, because the de degree point does uh, dictate a, a lot about the, even the specific of that, that planetary um, expression. For instance, like even when we look at deacons, like planets have deacons, they have three deacons. And it's like, if it's in the zero through 10 marker or if it's in the 10 through 20 marker, or the 20 through 30, so those all have different meanings. But then like, I think around 1925, um, an astrologer, I think, by the name of Mark Edmonds, and he, he worked with a clairvoyant uh, named Elsie Wheeler. They came up with something called the Sabian symbols, and it was like it, it's basically a um, it's it's a representation of each degree of each sign in a visual cue through one sentence, and um, they went through every single degree mark in all of the signs and came up with that. And so the Sabian symbols are really cool too, to learn about because you can look at where your ascendant is, what, what symbol you know represents that or your sign represents that. And so um, that kind of takes me to the, to the upcoming eclipses. If you know we have time to go into that, yeah, um, just to look at. Because I actually was gonna say, um, I went to the eclipse in 2018 in Chile or Chile or however you say it. Um, and, um, so I, I, cause I missed my, my niece was born during the middle of the one that was in the U S. So I was meant, I wanted to go like, we'll see that one, like, like in 2017 or whatever, but I, I actually had to like go help with my, you know, cause she was actually born. She was born while it was like in its most active, which is kind of crazy. Wow. But, um, anyway, uh, which was cool for her, but bad for me. Cause I didn't get to go like chill and do some cool stuff in it. But anyway, so I, so then I decided that's it. I want to see a solar eclipse. So I went down to the chilly one and I, I don't know. I actually like physically felt like movement in my body and in my reality. And like, I had some major, the next day I had some major um, time. So like I had a 30 minute deja vu which was the most uncomfortable feeling I've ever had, but it was very bizarre. So I, um, I just wonder, uh, like, I think eclipses are super bizarrely strong, especially for me, for whatever reason. So what well, I mean, if, yeah, if you actually witness them, if you can see an eclipse, it will affect your body. 100% uh, affect your body. Um, like I saw, I was there and I was living in Asheville, North Carolina at the time, 2017, a solar eclipse in Leo. And it really did make me feel incredibly ill. Um, I, I really, I was, I felt like I was like, like, I don't know, giving birth or something. It was really weird. Um, so it, 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 especially with star seeds again, because it goes into our DNA is more crystalline. So there are also markings, um, you know, part of the star seed markings some uh, star seeds do have, which make you more um, susceptible to electromagnetic frequencies. 
And those are the star seeds I need to watch out because they can usually end up channeling a lot too because of that, but they can start to feel you know, everything uh, in their in their bodies um, because of that. So I don't know if you have this marking actually, I, I, I haven't, I don't remember, I have to look. But um, anyway, so yeah, the way the eclipses work, if it's seen, if you can actually visibly see it, it's super strong. But if you can't see it, wherever it's located, it's very pertinent to the location. So if you remember after the 2017 North American eclipse, um, we had a lot of um, like uh, weather kind of, uh, there, there were a lot of weather disruptions around that area right afterwards. There were a lot of hurricanes that happened, a lot of hurricanes that happened right after that. So it happens for six months after. So the eclipse, the solar eclipse itself is like the new moon on steroids. And we all know like new moons bring in new energy, right? They bring in a new cycle. And then when you bring in the sun, it, the solar eclipse brings that to another level of just like feeling like it's on steroids. Like something new is about to happen. I don't know what's about to happen, but something's about to happen. And it, I mean, it really depends on the sign it's in and what it's doing. Um, but yeah, in 2017, that was Leo. And again, it was, it, it felt like this new energy of, um, I don't remember, was it in Leo? Oh, I think so. But <laughs> there was a lot of new energies in a lot of our, our you know, personal lives, depending on where the eclipse fell in our house placement. So it's really important to know your chart because if there's a, for instance, there is a solar eclipse coming up in December. Yeah, the um, December and one, right? So December 4th, let me see if I have this chart here to pull up. Uh, but before that, actually, there's a lunar eclipse next month. Um, next month, so the lunar eclipse is kind of, it's, you know, lunar eclipse are, so it's going to be opposite of the solar eclipse. It's about um, your letting go and release. So with a lunar eclipse, it's when the moon is opposite the sun at the same exact degree. And this is a galactic degree. So this really puts this, uh, this lunar eclipse coming up it's 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 you know it's a it's really a full moon okay so this is a full moon at taurus and this is a galactic degree which puts us in touch with the pleiades so the and this is also happening during the pleiadian lineup okay so there's a pleiadian lineup in november from the 15th to the 20th and um this is where you know some of the pleiadian projects are um you know really brought to their next level and so this will be activating to anyone who has something um, in Taurus in their chart, uh, or if you just look at where Taurus is in your chart, what house Taurus flies in, it will affect that area of your life. Um, but this will be about the release of maybe like emotional release of beliefs, belief systems, um, even relationships, uh, things that we've like counted on, things that we held valuable to us. It'll be the start of this next upcoming year and a half uh, cycle of the lunar nodes changing into Taurus and uh, Scorpio. So this is the first of the Taurus and Scorpio eclipses that are gonna be happening for the next year and a half. So this is just starting to give us a taste of what we're gonna look forward to in the next year and a half. Um, so that's gonna be releasing. So you have is to- Is that better to than what we've been going through? You know, is well, that... I mean, this is just one of those examples. Like when we're ready to bring in new light codes and we're act getting ready to activate to our next level, we have to release something. We have to release trauma. We have to release something. Otherwise, we'll go crazy. Like there has to be some release. So this is the start. This is going to be releasing a little. We're going to find some release here. There's going to be. We have to let go of something we held on to. 
that does not serve us for what, what's about, what we're about to bring in the next year and a half. So it's just a little flavor. So with that, um, then it starts to make way for the, the first of um, the first of the two. So what's going to happen, um, you know, at the end of the year, then um, is in December, December 4th, we're going to have a solar eclipse that's going to hit uh, at 12 degrees of Sagittarius. And 12 degrees of Sagittarius, um, in Star Sea Astrology, we look at it as healing with ultimate truth. Um, this is where high truth and high, um, when I say Sagittarius, I usually see light work because light work, what it does is it brings light to whatever's in the dark, really. Um, because ultimately you, when you're in the dark, you, you're, you're, you know, in an ignorant kind of naive state and you bring light to it and it becomes truth. And so that's what light work I, I believe does. And so when I see this sign, it's really healing, like a light work healing uh, with truth, uh, because Sagittarius is really about freedom and truth, um, justice, seeing the bigger picture, um, spirituality, philosophy. And here at 12 degrees as well is we have a Sabian symbol. So the Sabian symbol is, I'm going to go ahead and share that, the image of the Sabian symbol, and it's a flag that turns into an eagle, the eagle into a Chanticleer saluting the dawn. So this is this is basically the Sabian symbol for that solar eclipse degree point of 12 Sagittarius. Um, so that's happening in Antarctica, um, on Antarctica. That's the only place that's going to be able to see that. And it's going to be happening around, I believe, 2.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's when we'll experience it. Uh, Antarctica will be experiencing on their time. And um, nobody really knows what Antarctica is like or what it looks like or if anyone even inhabits it. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, but something will come to light. I think it's going to be like, you know, like we'll, we'll figure out about the, it, it, there's so much stuff about like Admiral Byrd and like the center, like the ho hollow earth theory down there. There's like, like, that's weird how restricted it is. And, you know, there's a part of our planet, which we haven't fully explored. Like you have to be, to go to Antarctica, you have to have like special permissions and you have to be like on a research vessel or you have to have like, it, it's not like you could like, there's no that thing has been set up there it's no man's land kind of thing like I feel like there's and there's so many stories of people being scared you know shitless and uh when they come back like scientists and stuff there's stories of like Buzz Aldrin going down saying that he's seen the face of evil and then there's there's pyramids that they've found like on google earth that will go missing that you don't see anymore after that there's like Linda Moulton Howe did this whole thing about how like there's these giant star there is so much mystery that just clouts all of Antarctica like a bunch of conspiracy theory stuff that I love so I really really hope that like some people say it, it is the old Atlantis like maybe it'll be uncovered like, I don't really know but that's cool that there's going to be a solar eclipse over Antarctica on the port I think that's cool yeah yeah so I mean it could again it's the six months of after it, we'll see what will happen. And like I said, sometimes the the most uh, obvious things that take place after eclipses are usually weather related. So if Maybe something happens, the weather off or something. Yeah, perhaps like something like that. So 
it could again reveal something when that happens because again this is truth but this is freedom as well so you know what's going to be freed um that'll be interesting so the sagittarius eclipse that one's the last one of the last year and a half that have just taken place where the last year and a half our nodal placements were at um gemini and um sagittarius right um that was really what kind of set off the um i'm gonna look at this this is the last kind of solar eclipse well, the last solar eclipse we had was in june but this is last year's solar eclipse uh which was in december which was on the solstice around the solstice, solstice. yeah crazy um so the solstice was interesting because um that brought um you know that brought in new energies of zero degrees jupiter and saturn and the that really brought in a new energy of uh, Aquarius. So Aquarius energy is when they're saying, okay, it's the dawn now, the age of Aquarius. But um, Aquarius energy is, is really about innovation and pushing forward. And last year, the nodes, like I had said, have been a, we're, we're in Gemini and we're in Sagittarius. The South node is in Sagittarius and the North node is in Gemini. So that's why this in Sagittarius is going to be the last of those. Usually eclipses match up with the nodal placements. This is how important nodal placements are. So even the eclipses will match with the nodal placements. Um, and well, North Node in, in, in Gemini is really about lots of information. And lots of wrong information, lots of right information, lots of misinformation, just tons of information. And with Sagittarius as the South Node, um, there's a lot of old belief structures that is really about religious view. Um, and how we can hold on to information in terms of our beliefs, structures, and systems, rather than pushing them forward to see um, how the information can show us new, new ways of thinking, new ways of being. So um, it's coming to an end. I mean, I do think that we've been in an information overload the past year and a half, just so much. And it's been very confusing. And especially with Neptune was squaring the nodes, that was like really gaslighting. Like we've been through a really gaslighting, hard time, very confusing time with so much inundation, with so much information. And then we had these, you know, these planets uh, ingress into Aquarius, which really is about innovation for innovation's sake, because Aquarius doesn't care about you. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, Aquarius wants humanity to prosper. They don't care about your personal, you know, well-being. I mean, if you're okay, you got enough, you got what you need, let's move on to humanity. It's like the humanitarian it can be a little bit cold because it's really scientific. Um, it wants to push innovation constantly forward. It's not like cancer who like, like, are you, did you get enough to eat? Did you get enough rest? Like, are you feeling well? You no, know, like Aquarius is more like, you got what you need, let's get to work. Like we got, we got humanity to take care of now. We got the world, yeah, we got things to move, we got to push forward innovation. We got to make sure that we're constantly pushing forward the next thing um, and that we're on to scientific advancement. So that was like kind of like how that year ended and began this cycle. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, again, that, that Uranus. So Uranus is the planet of Aquarius and Uranus has been in Taurus for some time now and will be in Taurus until about 2027 and it really it, it talks about like what we value and possessions and money as being really erratic like remember how in 2020 like toilet paper all of a sudden became really yeah, popular yeah. or like really valuable like that's that's uranus and taurus right there that's like what 
I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't see that coming. And so Uranus and Taurus is going to be here for some some time until 2020 where it's really going to think about those things. What do we hold value? So with this eclipse, we're going to see, again, the ending of this belief of information as like a religion and more of like pushing forward to see now, okay, we've got all this information. We've got, you know, you've got your beliefs, you've got your beliefs. We've got, you know, we were sticking to, we've got so much data. Okay, so what do we really value in all this? Like, what's really valuable? Like, what do I really hold to myself as that? So we're going to see the next year shifting um, as the nodes shift at the beginning um, of 2022, uh, where we're going to see the nodal shift uh, into new signs, okay? So I don't have the nodal places as soon as it hits January, but I do want to look at some of what happens next year. So this is by April. It'll Yeah. So this is kind of like I'm pulling up April because April we're starting to see so what happens is um here are the nodes. They've moved into Scorpio South Node, Taurus North Node, and Taurus North Node is uh, it's about value. It's about what we value, what we hold uh, of, you know, worth and the money system the economic system, even art and beauty can be part of what Taurus expression is. And, um, you know, I, I do have a lot of information here like about all this stuff and I, I don't want to go too long because I know we don't have so much amount of time. Maybe we could do another podcast where I get into this deeper. Or, you know, I will be going into these things a little bit deeper on, on my channel as well, where I'll get to specifics of the- so Do you uh, think that this could- yeah, you definitely got to check out her YouTube channel, y'all. She's she's very got an awesome channel. But um, okay, do you think that this is a time when the money could completely reset? Yeah, if there's any time the money reset, it's when Uranus is in Taurus, and well, um, the North Node is going to be in Taurus. So what that does is it just highlights whatever else is in Taurus, and we see Uranus in Taurus. It's as the year progresses, Uranus and Taurus are going to get really close. They're going to be best buds. And what that is, it's constantly bringing new surprises and, and changes and shifts, um, very random occurrences uh, with what we value. So it will completely change what we value and how we value it. And well, that's money, food, um, essentials like that, um, art and beauty, though, too. Like, this is interesting because I see this as also like an expression like you know, NFTs these days that we're seeing NFTs are like the hottest thing in the crypto market, which um, I don't know if you're, you're familiar, it's called not, it's basically non-fungible tokens. What is it? It's art. It's digital art that's being used uh, as cryptocurrency. And so people will um, buy this digital art with Ethereum and um, it will give this, it will stamp, you should be someone to be interested in this because you used to be a gallerist, but it will stamp that art with uh, an official like approval that someone bought this, someone owns this. This is, and, and you know how uh, crypto works is it really, it, it, it tracks every time something's bought and sold, bought and sold. So you get to see that digital art being bought and sold and that gives it value because you see it in front of you and it's constantly changing. And it's, it's something someone created uh, essentially as a exchange of value. So this will be the new kind of way 
of, oh, of I think I'm gonna look into that more. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I do feel like next year we're gonna see more of that. So if anyone out there is into crypto market, you know, Ethereum, you know, Ethereum has been growing quite a bit in the last year and it will continue to because um, this Aquarian energy is very ethereal, Ethereum. And Ethereum is the most used for, you know, these NFTs right now. It may change in the future, of course. With this Taurus, you know, um, Uranus next to North Node, we can't predict the economic forecast anymore we can try but we can just look at trends like the stock market i don't think that's going to last that long i don't know that's my personal account but it's really going to shift a lot of that stuff so we need to look at the new innovative approaches to like what would we you, value like the day the stock market was in no or anything in there I, would, yeah. I i don't personally don't i i couldn't do that um you know but i do see some things that are happening um in uh august maybe as August does kind of show us a direct shift uh, with Uranus and the North Node. See, do I have that? No, I don't have that chart. Um, but anyway, August, I see something around August is being really, when they're, when they're direct, being something really big that happens with the economy, I don't know. Um, but you know, in mid-April also Jupiter, uh, Jupiter is gonna be moving, uh, well, it's not, it's not happening in mid-April, but um, Jupiter is in Pisces, okay? And Jupiter in Pisces, it's right next to Neptune, conjuncting Neptune. And this is really music on a higher octave. Like we may see lots of new music coming out next year, um, but on a lower octave, it can appear as illness. So that's where Neptune has been in Pisces for, um, you know, it's been like, like I said, squaring the nodes in 2020, 2021 as well. So Neptune in Pisces can sometimes allude to illness on a lower octave. Um, and especially when Jupiter's nearby, also in Pisces, it could be like death of old ways of doing things, okay? It doesn't necessarily need to be physical death, but um, karmic death, karmic endings, okay? Um, but like I said, on, on a higher octave, it could be something that's very spiritual that's coming in, that's going to be expanding. Maybe spiritual um, explorations will become more, um, acceptable, it, it become more standard. Um, music, new music will be coming in. Uh, we'll be seeing a lot of uh, innovation uh, around those things, um, you know, and in, in things that expression, like full expression. So like I said, everything has a lower octave and a higher octave and both can be happening simultaneously, honestly. It's what we put our you know, perception into um, that ends up being what, you know, what we're experiencing. So it's good to know these things yeah so much. okay so There's do you so think like as a whole what 2020 is going to be as like i have found 2020 and 2021 on a collective level to be just such i mean like the pandemic has been such a divisive tool for everybody you know um and and i i just wonder if that pattern is going to continue or not Okay, so the divisiveness is very Gemini, okay? Very Gemini. Um, it sees two things, two sides, constantly everything has two sides to it. So again, I do believe, okay, so here's something that we can take a look at, which is, um, you know, the orbit of Mars. Um, so Mars is, it, it's, it, it changed around this October of 7th of this year. 
Um, it, it did change um, signs in its orbit. Um, and that's a, like a, it's called a synodic cycle. And Mars goes through it every two years or so. Synodic cycle. It's like every planet has a synodic cycle. For instance, you know, um, you know, these are all the days. So the Earth's synodic cycle is 365 days. That's how long it takes for each planet to go around the sun. It's complete orbit. Yeah, wow. around the sun. Okay. So Mars just completed an orbit in the October of of this like October seventh this year. In the last two years, it's been in Virgo, and Virgo is really about health. Um, it's about like, um, you know, cleaning, very clean. It's about purification. Um, and like I said, health, you know, Virgo can be very uh, detailed with its information. And interestingly enough, the North Node has been in Gemini and Mercury is the ruling planet of Gemini and Mercury is the ruling planet of Virgo. So there, that's another reason why there's been just so much information about health so much information out there. And then of course, like with the planetary alignments of 2020 and Capricorn and that huge lunar eclipse in Capricorn 2020, it was all, that was all set up for a structural control uh, system. But now since the Mars has um, made a different, uh, it's, it's, it's actually transited now into Libra. So now Mars is in Libra and Libra is a different energy. Um, Libra is more of an energy of justice, of um, equality, of balance, um, fairness. Uh, and um, you know we see a lot of law. Libra represents the law with the scales, right? So this is what we're gonna be seeing playing out for the next couple of years. Now, interestingly enough, the ruling planet of the North Node moving into Taurus in January is Venus. And Venus is the ruling planet of Libra as well. So Venus is going to be a ruling planet coming up in the next year and year and a half or so. So that's why I've got that's why I've got Venus right here. Venus is what we're going to be looking at. Where does Venus rule? Well, Venus rules, you know, money, values, art, beauty, relationships. We're going to see all those things shift and change, um, and that's all going to be, I think, as a consequence of where we've been in uh, with Virgo and Gemini and all the information coming forward. And we're gonna to start to see, well, what do we value from all this? Like, what's the real valuable pieces here? How do we value our, our relationships? How do we value ourselves? You know, what, like, and then what Scorpio South Node, Scorpio South Node is about like, you need to just basically stop prostituting yourself. You know, at that point, like you are giving yourself up for something. What are you constantly giving yourself up for? Scorpio South Node will make you question that. It will make you understand like what is it that you need to stop giving yourself up for and stop sacrificing and stop um, letting go of you know what do you need to hold on to what do you need to value what do you really need to take into account as being important in your life you know is it your self-esteem is it your relationship and how you know is it money you know your possessions you know those kinds of things well you know, i mean i mean like i mean that's why, that's why i think that it's 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 kind of like you you're saying uh, to me in person where it was like this is kind of a weather map to kind of know almost like if, if you know that um, there's going to be like, you know, some crazy energies around like some eclipses here and there, and you know, there's going to be like these other markers, you can kind of chill and not be shocked by, by things if, if something comes up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anxiety has been a whole push for me to learn astrology as well, because my anxiety is like, 
what's gonna happen? I gotta prepare myself. I gotta know what to do. Um, so, I mean, nothing is set in stone though, of course, but it does give us a framework of what to expect. Like, you know, 2019, I was preparing for something, you know, I was preparing for something. And, you know, I knew something was coming in 2020 because of what the astrology had laid out that was going to shift and change everything. Um, so, you know, I did what I could uh, at the time. And, you know, I think at this point, we're seeing a lot of this play out. We're not going to see what happened in 2020 happen again, but we're going to see something completely different. We're going to see the repercussions of that and how that began to shift everything and everything is going to be in response to that. So we're not going to ever like forget about it because like they see the yeah. astrology kind of being in response to that um, coming up for the next, you know, seven or eight years. Um, especially in the next year to come, where especially with Libra, this Venus energy, um, and how, you know, how do we, how do we see things um, in a way where we're no longer polarized? Because Libra wants to bring everything together, wants to see the common uh, reality, the common bond, and wants to make sure that people get along. It's a mediator. So thank goodness for that. You know, we're I'm really excited to see how that plays out with what's going on. But Jupiter does kind of ingress into Aries for a little bit next year. And, you know, that could be really tumultuous um, on an emotional scale on a lower octave that could be like aggression, which, you know, can be warlike, but on a higher octave, it can be courage. So I'm curious to see, you know, how that plays out as well. Yeah. Um, so again, I'll, I'll probably be giving more of like a year to come forecast on my channel, hopefully in the next month. Um, but um, for now, like, wanted to give you um, a good portion of what the I see. The rest of what's coming here, yeah. Um, just to kind of give you a, a, you know, a synopsis of some of the highlights of that. And okay, and real quick, let's touch on for you. Let's touch on um, the so people can use your services like like you do. Tell us about what all you do because I really liked your past life regression thing, and I think like people should totally come to you for that because like that was bomb. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. I you know it's it's one of those things that I offer. I offer hypnotherapy, and it's um, Dolores Cannon. Really, it's uh, came up with QHHT, which is quantum hypnosis healing technique. And I use what's called beyond quantum healing technique, which is uh, her, you know, very prominent student, Candace Craw Goldman, uh, did invent it uh, based on her studies with Dolores. So what it does is it takes Dolores's technique and it put it online. Dolores always refused to do her sessions online. Right. She said and, it was for the same. passed away in 2012. Right. So I, mean, I guess this is like modernizing it in a way. Her daughter basically took over and they were doing a lot of training in person until 2020 when they were forced to put it online. But Candace Carl Goldman had online a long, long time before that. So um, that's why I learned it from her because I did feel like that works since it's quantum, it should be able to be done online. and virtually it you know it just, it just makes sense and uh it does get into uh, a quantum exper experience that someone's having and uh, you know so much is hidden in, in the unconscious and when we do allow ourselves to a, a deep state um and we can uh, close we can shut down that overthinking mind if we can we can try we can start to have those uh, unconscious things come forward. Like that's when I came up with my concept of seeing our, basically I was taken through Mars and Saturn 
in some of my first hypnotherapy sessions and how it was controlling me and then how it was controlling a lot of reality and how the reality that was happening from it was fake and there was it was uh, projecting a false feminine and I got all this information by this journey and I was like in on Mars seeing this fake mother with the baby and I was like what's happening so thank goodness for my therapist who was able to help me through that to see to translate what I was seeing because a lot of things just came up. I had no idea. This is before I got really deep into astrology. It just came up for me to witness. So I was experiencing these things. I didn't control any of it. So that brought together pieces of my puzzle. So again, we're all here to put together pieces of the puzzle where you know with astrology, human design, hypnotherapy is a great tool to, to bring in that piece and remember things, bring things to the foreground that are very latent. Um, and then to help us piece that together. And uh, so I do offer the BQH Beyond Quantum Healing session for clients. I do do uh, astrology readings, personal astrology. Um, I, you know, I, I do um, also relation, relationship, synastry, as well as transit reports, those kinds of things. And I do specific starseed astrology through starseed hotline though. Um, if you'd like to know more about your starseed coding and you're interested in, you know, what, we spoke up with Lavendar, then you'd have to go to Starseed Hotline to order a reading with me. I'm on there as well. But you know, I personally like to put together a lot of this information. And if someone wants to do all of those things, we can begin to put together pieces of the puzzle, again, to allow them to feel into that whole structure of who they are as a soul in this body. So human design, I do not offer uh, readings with human design as much. I can incorporate them into some of my readings at times when I do feel appropriate, but I am not a professional human design facilitator. Um, I, I do believe that it's actually more of a personal, especially the gene keys themselves, is a personal exploration. It's a path that one has to go through um, on their own. I know human design itself can be useful for um, helping people know their design, but when it comes to gene keys, I do believe that's a bit more of a personal voyage, but I can set someone up to understand how to start that voyage, and um, and I do think that it is a voyage. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. But I mean, I also like, I mean, you, you have um, on your YouTube channel, you have breathwork stuff, you have like books that you've read. So I mean, like you have a lot of stuff going on. So Miara is somebody to check out, like, like she's got a lot of like really cool resources and she's like really, really a helpful, helpful person. So I, 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 I think you're gold, dude. So I think um, you, definitely, <laughs> and she should be like way bigger than she is. She needs to become, you guys all need to subscribe to her and you need to like hire her to do your charts and do things and do a hypnotherapy because she's awesome, dude. This is like, she's, she's, she's got it going on. She studied all this stuff. It's good. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> now, okay. Is there anything else before we go that maybe like you, you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to anything? You know, yeah, I mean, there's, there is so much involved with this, because I'm like, I like to take a look at all of it. I do kind of always want to bring it back to the breath too, which is why, you know, I understand how important the breath is in our experience here. And I usually do start off all my sessions with a breathing technique that I did learn so that it can um, bring us into sync, but the breath is really important. And so I do have like, yeah, the breath work if you if you are someone who's interested in you know doing breath work you know and and I do teach you know different breath work techniques but um, 
one of my favorites is on, you know, do have a YouTube on it and it's a tutorial on how to do breath work. So it, it helps to clear out that trauma. And during those, you know, lunar eclipses, when it's coming up, it's the perfect time to clear out trauma if you can. And breathwork is one of probably the most helpful tools to do that very quickly. Um, so um, there is that tutorial on there and it comes with a playlist too, you can check out. So you can do it to the playlist. But other than that, I mean, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for, for talking to me. I feel like this has been really fun. And um, I, you know, I'd love to have another conversation with you in the future. Totally, um, yeah. Like I, <laughs> we need to have you on at least like, you know, every six months for an update on what's going on in the world, man. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, um, it's been really fun. I'm gonna put all your information in the bottom, but yeah. So thank you so much. Bye, Miara. Bye, Nikki. Ha, ha, ha.